Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious and holy God, help us to hear the light, to know the light, to share the light in the midst of the world that seems to threaten with an encroaching darkness. Help us to have the hope that you give to us in Jesus Christ and to share it with the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our first scripture passage comes from Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. And I apologize, I've had a cold this last week. I'm feeling much better, but my voice hasn't caught up with, uh, with the rest of my body yet. So uh, I appreciate you putting up with this. Uh, for, from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think that you are wise in this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast about people, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The marvelous scene in that uh, children's movie, Finding Nemo. At one point, the little fish Nemo flops up onto a dock surrounded by a flock of seagulls. The first seagull looks at Nemo and says what seagulls always say, mine? And the second seagull says, mine? And then every one of the flock of seagulls says, mine, 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 mine. I had a congregation do that as a call of confession one time. 
<clears throat> See, that's the situation that Paul finds himself in, is that he's got these competing interests in his congregation, just like in the outside world, and they're all trying to, to vie for whose leader is going to be in charge of things, and each one is saying, mine, mine, mine. The turmoil of the church is one, one group says Paul is our guiding light, he's our leader. Another camp says Paul never met Jesus, Peter did, Peter's our leader. Another guy said Apollos is a results oriented kind of leader, he should be our man. And yet another group says we have a direct line to the Lord, it was a mess. And Paul knows the only way to fix it is through the ways of love. And he says, friends, why all this silly wrangling? Take the Holy Spirit seriously and let the Spirit move among you and you will discover that as you live in the never-ending love of God, all things are yours. In this storm-tossed, ongoing conflict, you're missing the point of God's good creation. There's not just one point of view. You have something to learn from everyone because all things are yours. When you see this, the whole context changes, the whole world changes, their identity and their orientation and their expectation. They're missing the point of God's good creation, not to just have one point of view, but to learn something from everyone because all things are yours. It is as if you've gone to the movie theater, but you left after the first trailer. You missed the big picture. It is as if you have enrolled in the university of life, but you have been taking the same one class over and over and over again for years. Christ calls you to the big picture. Christ calls you not just to the university, but to the multiversity of life in God's good creation. And when we know that and feel that and experience that through the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden life changes. It's like the poet Yeats said about education. Education is not about filling a pail, it's about lighting a fire. And Paul is singing, come on baby, light my fire. All things are yours. Charles Adams, the Harvard preacher, makes a great distinction between owning and possessing. He says, we think that we own things, but the fact of the matter is you may own a car, but never drive it or never drive at any place important. You may own three houses, but never truly live in any of them. You may own a big bank account, but never do anything useful with it. You may own 10 Bibles, but never really open yourself to what they're saying. You may, own, you may claim a lifelong faith, but never take that leap that will get you where Jesus is. You just think you own it. But all things are not ours to own. On the other hand, we may not grasp something, we may not have something, we may not own something, and yet we may possess it. In the midst of life's hurricanes, everything you have may fly away, but you may still possess the peace that passes understanding. 
in the midst of life's deepest failures, you may possess an undying hope. In the midst of life's great conflicts, you may possess a peaceful sunset of a perfectly still Michigan lake that dwells in your soul. In the depths of your soul, you may possess the power of Beethoven's Ninth, of the poetry of Maya Angelou, of the courage of Nelson Mandela, of the energizer's spirit of Jimmy Carter, because you possess the strength of Jesus Christ through his love. You may possess them and so much more because in Christ, all things are yours. If we truly claim this, then there's an openness that we can embrace in appreciation and response to the vast blessing that we have received. And we in turn must resolve that we will never engage in or support any organization or ideology that is narrow, judgmental, bigoted, or prejudiced in its beliefs, belonging, or, or behavior. Because love has limitations and we must reject that which rejects God's gift of love. Rather, we will open ourselves to the whole of God's creation. I've always liked that quote from Garrison Keillor who said, the purpose of an undergraduate education is to keep you from getting schnookered. And in the same light, the purpose of Christian faith is to keep us from getting schnookered about life. As the scripture says, whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is right, whatever is true, think about these things. All things are yours, and all people are yours. Our lives are not threatened by people who see things differently. They're positively transformed by people who are different from us. As we claim God's wisdom in the knowledge, then we are set free to take that leap of faith and go out and embrace people of difference, to learn from them. If Paul has something to say, learn from it. If Peter has something worth hearing, take it in. If Apollos has some moving insights, lend him your ear. All things are yours. That's what the scripture says. But don't stop there. Follow the trajectory towards which it's pointing. If modern philosophy has something to contribute, embrace it. If sociology or psychology can reveal how people can be better together, then open your eyes. If poetry can probe the mysteries of life, open your ears. If feminist theory can open doors to half the human race, then grab the handle and walk right in. If Jewish history can open up insight through incredible aches and atrocities, then learn from it. All things are yours, and all people are yours. There's some people that want to tell me that, that, that the Bible really is simple, and faith really simple, is simple, and, and I have a principle that helps me to, to talk with them. The principle is simply, thou shalt not reduce what God has made complex. It may take us a long time to research. It may take us a lot of hard work to learn, but God calls us to grow. But it's all right because all things are ours. And that means time itself is ours and we can take the time to learn and grow. 
And if something results in a paradox, then as F. Scott Fitzgerald says, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in our mind at the same time and believe them both. So we can dialectically embrace the paradoxes of life. In the multiversity of God's good creation, we experience not a drab monotony of sameness, but a life-giving spirit that guides us through the midst of the most challenging problems. All things are ours, not to own, not to hoard, but to share. And if all things are ours, then the problems of the world are ours. I am so moved that this week we hit a milestone. Over the last three years, Kirk in the Hills, as of this week, has provided 40,000 sandwiches to the hungry. Why? We do so because we are a church that believes that someone else's problems are our opportunity. To, deter, to turn despair into hope, to turn night into day, to turn hate into love. Our faith in Christ is a gift that we have to give to the world. For in Christ we reveal the power to the world, the power that we can welcome the outsider, that we can care for the outcast, we can love our enemies, we can speak truth to power because we have the gifts of the Spirit these are our gifts to the world, not to dominate it, but to deliver it, not to exploit it, but to enrich it, not to own it, but to love it. All things are ours. We have been entrusted with the gift of money, which is a form of power. In the Bible, power is translated, uh, the word is dunamis, and it means to be able. Money is like a battery. If we don't use it, it corrodes. But if we use it, we can do things in our own time as we are able. All things are ours. And that includes the harsh parts of life. And it includes our embarrassments and our failures. I watched a movie this week about a guy who was born in poverty the poverty of Hell's Kitchen in New York when it was really bad. Uh, due to an accident at birth, uh, it ended up killing some of the nerves around his face and it kind of gave him this permanent sneer. His parents fought and divorced and he ended up going with his abusive father who fought against him and, and every time he would succeed, his father would sometime publicly drag him down. It left him feeling less than, like an outsider. It made him think differently. He grew up, he wanted to become an actor, except, but nobody wanted him, except for a couple minor roles. Nobody wanted a leading man that looked like him. So instead of hiding from his abused past, instead of denying the poverty he was raised in, instead of covering up his drooping face or the ways he'd been rejected, he embraced it. And he became a writer. And he wrote and rewrote and rewrote a movie script. He said it felt like God was calling him somehow, somehow was it at, at work in, in what he was doing. And he wrote a story about a leading man who grew up poor in a violent setting with a drooping face who was awkward. And all these negative things about his life, he took and embraced and owned them. And he wrote himself into this role. 
And he wrote such a good script when Hollywood wanted to buy it, he refused to sell unless they cast him in the leading role. And that's the story of Sylvester Stallone and his first real movie, Rocky, that won three Oscars and was nominated for many more. You see, all things were his, and he claimed them and used them, and he wrote himself in the negativity of his life. He wrote himself into the script. But what about us? You see, ours is not a life where we make excuses because God has called us to be leading roles in God's ongoing drama. All things are yours. Claim it. Claim it as a blessing of God. All things are yours. The past is yours. Learn from it. The present is yours. Fulfill it. The future is yours. Transform it. Mistakes are yours. Transform them. The Bible is yours. Live in it. Science is yours. Master it. The truth is yours. Know it. Disease is yours. Heal it. Cancer is yours. Rise above it. Climate change is yours. Turn it around. Injustice is yours. Vanquish it. War is yours. Stop it. Homelessness is yours. House it. Racism is yours. End it. Violence is yours. The other mic is yours, use it. <laughs> the world is yours. Love it. Love it. Time is yours now. Use it. Death is yours. Expect it. Because eternal life is yours. I'll meet you there. Remember, all things are yours, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Amen.